Hello, listeners. Welcome to 177 Nations of Tasmania podcast. My guest in this episode is Ivalu, and I think I can safely predict that I won't find anyone who has come farther to be in Tasmania than her. I mean, some people consider Tasmania to be a remote island at the end of the world, but it's positively a throbbing metropolis compared to the windswept shores and the towering fjords of Greenland. Now, some of you may remember that Greenland came unexpectedly to world attention several years ago when it seemed that the US President Donald Trump was interested in purchasing it from Denmark. Though it should be mentioned that Greenland is actually a semi-autonomous territory of Denmark with its own government. It's the world's biggest island, but has barely over 50,000 inhabitants. And it has a habitat and a lifestyle which may be hard to imagine for many here on the other side of the world. So please join me to find out more about Ivalu's experience of growing up in far off Greenland and how she came to be living right on the other side of the world. So I was born and raised in Greenland, in the capital, Nuuk. And I've also lived in South Greenland in Karotto. Okay. So what was it like to grow up in, in uh, Greenland? Uh, could, you, could you describe it a little bit, what the environment was like? So I grew up in a very small place in South Greenland. And there was about 3,000 people living in the town in Karotto. And um, yeah, everyone knows everyone. And... Um, it's cold, <laughs> there's a lot of snow and ice in winter from about November till May. And yeah, so there's a lot of bulldozers every morning, getting rid of the snow and ice from the roads. So if you wake up at four o'clock, you can hear them already starting to clean the roads. And um, yeah, and we spend a lot of time in the morning getting rid of the snow so we can get out of the house. (laughs) And whereas here in Tasmania, you can go out with your flip-flops and a (laughs) t-shirt, that's fine. But in Greenland, we have to dress up in woolly clothes and jeans and another layer of ski trousers and yeah, beanies and to keep warm. And so walking home from school in a snow blizzard, that's quite normal. Mm. (laughs) Sometimes you can't see anything. So you put your scarf around your uh, mouth and nose. And um, that's a very big difference to living here in Tasmania. Yeah, I bet. And is it also the case in Greenland that you you go to school no matter what, what the weather? Yeah, you, I mean, we went to school every day. Sometimes the school would close if there's a really bad snowstorm. Maybe can happen once a year where it's yeah actually really dangerous to go outside. Um, and then they will tell you on the radio that schools are closed. But usually in any kind of weather, we go to school. And the kids just um, make their own way back and forth from from school through the snow yeah because it's it's a small village um yeah it's maybe two kilometers to walk or less there's only 15 kilometers of road Mm -hmm. in total so i mean people live quite close together yeah everyone walks 
to school and it's it's good it's good to get fresh air <laughs> before you go to school so what was what was it like at school as a child in in greenland what was it like i mean i I envision it um, that the school was quite small. The school was small. There were maybe five hundred kids in the um, in the we call it like a folk school. So primary and secondary is all together. Okay. So ten years of schooling that is compulsory. Yeah. So the the big difference in Greenland to here is that th- there's no fences mm-hmm. around the school. Yeah, and what we did in school is always, you know, playing with snow, mm-hmm. making snowballs or, yeah, building something out of snow or, yeah, having snow sledges and, yeah, a lot of things around snow, going skiing, yeah, <laughs> ice skating, yeah. So probably quite exotic for <laughs> Tasmanians. Oh. And I guess in the winter would be very, very dark as well. Yeah, around December, end of December would be the darkest time with maybe six hours of daylight. Mind you, this is South Greenland, so up north is quite different. Yeah, six hours of daylight and I mean, it's time to be cozy inside with candles and warm cups of tea and mm-hmm. yeah it can be a very beautiful time with lots of northern lights yeah something other people find really exotic we grew up with mm. looking at daily yeah so a normal thing for us kids lying in the snow and looking up at the northern lights that could be like pink and green and and could be moving really fast or really sort of subtle in mm. the sky mm. Mm. so i guess there's some benefits of the of the long cold winter that i think it is yeah, yeah. that was beautiful yeah for sure and what sort of things were um taught or emphasized at school i think we had <laughs> all the normal subjects um geography biology and english we had german as well greenlandic danish Okay, so so you would have grown up speaking a couple of different languages. Yeah, so so people speak Greenlandic and Danish in Greenland because it's a former Danish colony. Yeah. And still is a self-governing autonomy of Denmark. Yeah, yeah. So I guess though Denmark Danish is sort of an official language, but uh, Greenlandic is the everyday yeah, so actually the Greenlandic language is the official language. Okay. And Danish is is also used for um yeah, within the healthcare system and within the political Okay, so with government. Yeah, related. government as well. And I guess English would have been somewhat important as well. Well, I think only in recent times. Okay. It's it's important for for youth, because they're watching a lot of American <laughs> movies and listening to English music. So, and only really in recent times with okay. businesses. Growing up in a small village, um, everyone knows everyone. And th- there's only 55,000 people 
living in Greenland. Mm. And so it's, it's quite important to have that community feeling. And I guess in the in the olden days, they were very much dependent on each other yeah. for living and they would help each other out. And so I guess that that has carried into today where people, yeah, they come together, even if, if it's for sports, for soccer or for any other sport event or, f- you know, in the local community hall for bingo or mm-hmm. other things. Yeah, I think that's that's really important to have that strong sense of, of community. And I guess it's even more important in a, a area which is quite r- remote and, in, and inhospitable in some ways because, I mean, I'm just imagining a bit that um, you could end up, if you're left on your own, feeling quite isolated and it could affect your mental health, all that kind of thing. Yeah. And I guess that may be part of the, um, that really communitarian uh, yeah. atmosphere. Yeah. So th- what I think is unique in Greenland as well is is that there's a lot of people who are really good at playing music or an instrument, singing. There's a lot of choir singing, okay. coming together, dancing. Yeah. So I guess that's to make life enjoyable <laughs> in such a cold climate. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering, um, at sort of at school, did you have any um, concept or idea of, of what you wanted to do in in life, or sort of any kind of ambition for the future? I always really enjoyed traveling, mm-hmm. and I I went to Greece um, quite a bit with my dad as a child, and so I was really interested in in seeing more of the world. I, later on in my teenage years, I went to Panama for a year. Uh-huh. I lived there and um, learned Spanish. It was really, really great year. And um, after that, I just wanted to... I came back to Greenland to finish my um, senior secondary school. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, I really like Spanish. So I decided to move to Denmark and study English and Spanish. So then did you um, study at university in Denmark? I studied at a business school in Aarhus. Um, Uh I lived there for about five years. Yeah, I really enjoyed the English and Spanish languages and traveling. So I lived in in Spain as well during my studying. Um, I lived half a year in, in Spain. So was your was Panama your first experience going abroad? So I had I'd been to Denmark um, many times. Okay. To visit my dad's family and other family, my mother's family as well, who are li- still living in Denmark, some of them. And then I'd been to Greece with my dad, and um, yeah, so that was my first traveling experience. And so do do Greenlanders? generally uh, able to travel a bit and like, do most have an experience of being outside Greenland? Yeah, I would say so. Um, many people go to Denmark uh, on holidays and um, or Iceland. There's a flight to Iceland as well. And many people travel yeah, from Denmark um, to other places in Europe 
And, you know, the generation now, the young generation, I think they travel quite a lot. And is it a relatively um, comfortable transition to go from Greenland to Denmark? I mean, is, is there a, a big cultural gap or is it... Sort of yeah, I would say so. It's, it's very different, the culture, the languages, Danish, Greenlandic, are very different. And so is the culture. Yeah, I mean, Greenland is a big island, lots of mountains, fjords... Yeah. Ice and snow, and Denmark is, you know, flat as a pancake. <laughs> and much and quite densely populated in comparison. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And the Danish people, they, I think they speak more, talk more mm-hmm. than the Greenlandic people. They tend okay. to be, some of them maybe a bit more quiet, not so chatty. Yeah, I guess that's quite a common thing from people who come from fairly sparsely populated, more, more remote places they have a reputation at least of being a little more um quiet i guess yeah introvert what what then do you think is the sort of the biggest difference then between living in or or denmark or the culture in denmark and in greenland or what's the biggest gap to overcome for greenlanders going to denmark or or vice versa that's a good question mark I don't think I have an answer to that. It's, yeah, individual for everyone. But I remember moving to Denmark when I was, I think, 20 years old. And it, it was just really difficult to to move there and, and not with a different cultural backpack. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I clearly felt different from my Danish fellow students. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was living with other Greenlandic students, which okay. was really good at that time. And so we supported each other quite a lot and had, um, I guess it's the humor. It's the, um, you know, being very honest about things. We, we're not as maybe sarcastic mm-hmm. as the Danish people. And I can't put my finger on it, but clearly there's a difference because we're also usually a bit more quiet and introverted and and so the sometimes the, it can feel a bit overwhelming okay yeah when when you're around people who talk a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you left greenland to at various times to study so you, finished your university years in Denmark and did you then go back to Greenland? Yeah for a little while and then I I wanted to study more so I decided to move to a country that looks a little bit more like Greenland. Okay. Um, yeah I moved to northern Norway. Okay. To do a master's in indigenous studies Whereabouts um, in Norway? In Tromsø. It's a beautiful place. Yep. So I lived there for, I ended up living there for four years, did a master's degree and worked a bit for the university and the Arctic Council Secretariat in Tromsø. Yeah. Had a lot of really beautiful friends mm-hmm. from that are Sami and other international students. So what did the work you did there actually involve? At the Arctic Council. Yeah. So that 
That is a non-governmental forum that sort of where where all the Arctic states and all the indigenous organizations meet mm-hmm. and talk about uh, all the important issues in the Arctic, okay. such as climate change and the melting of the the ice um, and flora, fauna, and everything that's important to the indigenous peoples mm-hmm. living in the Arctic and yeah and all the other states that the indigenous peoples live in and so what was what was your role did you say i was an executive officer okay yeah just admin preparing for the meetings and there was one large meeting in greenland with all the foreign ministers that was very interesting so now i'm very curious about what led you to coming to Tasmania from so far away? Yeah, so the I met my partner in in Tromsø, and um, yeah, as <laughs> totally unexpected, as it always is. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> so how did it happen exactly? <laughs> I mean, what was it? <laughs> we kind of just met, and um, yeah, both being university students, and yeah, and. Um, that's how it happened. <laughs> and he was from Tasmania. So he's from Victoria. Okay. And he's lived here in Tasmania for 10 years. And so, yeah, he asked me if I wanted to travel to Australia with him after having been together for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was happy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like Australia and Tasmania was never on my radar, you know, even though I've traveled so much in my life. Yeah, I was never interested. But, you know, then suddenly I was with an Australian guy. So, sure. Yeah. (laughs) You traveled in Australia first. Yeah. So that's when I came 10 years ago for three months and we traveled to Perth and up the coast. We traveled to Whitsunday Islands, mm-hmm. kayaked around the Whitsunday Islands and came to Tasmania, went on a really, really hard bushwalk. Yeah. And I had my legs completely torn with full of blood and bruises. Yeah. And that's when I thought, wow, I love this place. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's interesting. It's so, you know, it's so brutal and wild, the nature here. Just like Greenland, but in a different way when you're in the bush and it's just, yeah, it's it's really overwhelming. The Mm. beauty and the, yeah. And well, it sounds like you've got, you you saw some very diverse parts of Australia. Whitsundays, Perth and Tasmania are so different, really. Yeah, they are. What were your sort of first impressions, I guess, of, well, let's say Tasmania. Tasmania. I think the it's like a green paradise. There's so many trees and it's so green, you know, it's and there are no trees in Greenland and it, it's not green for a lot of yeah. the year. So I just, you know, I just thought that was amazing. 
all the trees. I've seen the big tree <laughs> and I've seen, you know, so many big trees and it's just really mind-blowing, the beauty of Tasmania. Yeah. The birds, the wildlife. It's yeah, it's a wilderness, kind of untouched some places. Yeah. Just yeah. like Greenland. Some places. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's there's some fairly inaccessible parts of Tasmania. Yeah. I ha- and I have a lot of respect for for the nature here. It's when I've been out bushwalking, it's it's so easy to get lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I have a few friends and I've heard some stories about people getting lost. Yeah, absolutely. And um it's frightening, a bit fascinating with all that nature. And it reminds me of Greenland actually where people also have that respect for the nature and for for the weather absolutely and and just understanding how how dangerous it can be and yeah that's why you have to have a bit of respect yeah for what it can do yeah i think so it's good to be a little bit humble yeah and feel okay i'm not actually in charge of everything but it's it's mother nature who's in charge of of it and so how how long have you been living in Tasmania now? Um, three years. And I've done some great bushwalking, seen a lot of Tasmania. So we lived 10 years in Norway and okay. then we decided to move to Tasmania. So do, has it been relatively easy to get to know people here? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It hasn't been hard, but I also seek it. I'm involved, I've been involved in community uh, organizations and doing voluntary work and through my own work. Yeah. And of course, my partner's friends are here in Hobart. I don't think it's been hard or challenging. Yeah. You just go with the flow. Yeah. Otherwise, you swim upstream. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And I mean, as long as you have some areas like work or, or volunteer work that really helps you make those connections when you're sort of new but i guess you already you had your your partner who was a bit of a connection yeah in a way and my children my two daughters oh yeah so their friends and their whole yeah the school and the parents there so they're, they're quite young children are they yeah um eight and almost five yeah children seem to really really help connect you with a, a community Usually. Yeah, yeah, they do. But I would definitely advise that if you come to a new place, then go and seek voluntary work and you for sure you'll have friends immediately. And what, what sort of volunteer work have you done here? So I've been involved in AFS. Um, it's an exchange program. That's when I went to Panama. I went with that oh, organization. Yeah. So I was involved in that for a couple of years until COVID put a stop Mm. to all travel and all exchange students coming to Tasmania. And I've done a few courses with Red Cross as well. Met some great people there. And you live down at, is it Judbury? Yeah, yeah. I have to be honest, I don't think I've ever been to Judbury. Funnily, in my mind, it's like as far, it could be as far away as Greenland. It's <laughs> very, 
I know a bit about. I have friends who um, lived in Jadbury, so I'm not completely ignorant. But <laughs> could you just tell me a little bit about um, what it's like living there? Because it's, it's quite a small place. Yeah, yeah, it's a small place. It's um, it's beautiful. It's green. It's yeah. As someone said, it's God's own country. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. It's yeah, quiet and. We can see the snowy range from where we are. There's snow there now, so yeah, beautiful. Yeah. So you get a bit of bit of um, bit of everything, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you can get a bit of a reminder of Greenland with the snow, and you get a bit of the greenery from yeah. the Tasmanian side. What have you found? Maybe the the best thing about living in Tasmania. Um. Yeah. People are open. They're very kind. There's a lot of opportunities to do recreational things like yoga, swimming, and eating out is great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the variety of Asian food in Hobart is great. I love it. <laughs> and um, yeah, bushwalking. Yeah, it's fantastic. What do people eat in Greenland? Because I guess it's hard to grow vegetables for a lot of the year yeah so the the diet is very much based on meat mm -hmm. um yeah people eat reindeer lamb seal whale birds different kinds of seabirds um of course fish trout and salmon cod and shrimps yeah so a lot of seafood. A lot of seafood, yeah, for sure. And a lot of meat. <laughs> yeah. And the, we even eat raw whale skin. All right. As well. What sort of things are important to Greenlanders? Like in, in different places, people put more emphasis on certain or value certain things more than others. What, what, what would you say are the things that are important to Greenlanders in their lives? I would say nature and being in, in nature um, is really important. A lot of people spend time in the nature. They go walking or skiing or play outside, go fishing, go sailing or kayaking. Yeah, so I think that's really important to Greenlandic people. So do people even, um, do sort of people go outdoors all throughout the year? The whole year? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Enjoy the outdoors, even in winter when it's minus 20. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Minus 20 is not too bad. No. That's what they say in Norway, actually. They say there's no bad weather, only bad clothing. Yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Spotify, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look up 177 Nations of Tasmania. And thank you again for listening.